0: So currently we are on the week 9, the ninth week of the pathway series. You guys are doing awesome following us along. And it's such a privilege and a joyful time as a church to go around and really go over each one of the core values and mission and vision. Um, It is really an opportunity for us as Shining Star EM, English Ministry, to set a new direction to kind of build this community, build this ministry together with a very intentional purpose and direction. So we really look forward how God's going to work through after this uh, Pathway series to the upcoming years in our ministry. Amen? Amen. Amen. But let's take a moment uh, to go over our previous elements of our uh, mission, vision, and also our core values. First week, we went over mission, that is why we exist, is to know and to enjoy God. And to know Him is to be discipled and to make disciples in Christ. To enjoy Him is to glorify Him in Christ. Second was vision. What we do to fulfill the mission. That is to rescue, reclaim, and revive a broken and lost world for the sake of His kingdom. One person, one family, and one community at a time. And third week was we're going through uh, the core values now. Core value one was we value truthfulness trustworthiness and authority of the Bible. Number two, we value the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Number three, we value a vibrant prayer life. Number four, we value evangelism. Number five, we value dynamic, spirit-filled, and gospel-driven worship. And last week, we went over uh, number six, we value discipleship and spiritual growth. So last week, Pastor James has preached about how we as individuals sh- should follow um, Christ as his disciples. And today we'll be uh, talking about the very next step of what to do. As you can see, those, uh, these uh, core values are ordered in a very intentional way. So it's kind of amazing to follow through and see how they connect and relate to one another through that top-to-bottom sequence. So today, number seven is we value Authentic and loving relationships that build up the community of believers. So today will be about this community. But the question is, why community? Why do we need community? Can we just attend through our online podcast or web stream in a day where technology is so advanced? So if you look at our current generation, some studies they say, uh, I looked up, uh, um, according to a An article from last year's Forbes magazine, it says, the general social survey found that the number of Americans with no close friends have tripled since 1985. That's a lot, right? No friends, not one, not two, no friends. Zero is the most common number of confidence reported by almost a quarter of those surveyed. And most of them who reported that they have no close friend are the millennial generation. So if you're born in the early uh, 80s to the mid-90s, they say in about, you're part of that millennial generation. I think we, we also have some rising um, the generation Z in our English ministry too. So, but this is how our generations are changing. The sense of community is lot perceived differently than before. With the advanced techno- technologies and social media, uh, we live in a day where we are supposed to be connected more than ever. Every moment instantaneously, uh, we can know where our friends are, we can know what they're doing, even without talking to them. We can just swipe down and see where they are, what they're doing. Right? So supposedly we should be connected with the world and with our friends more than ever. But the truth is, those connections are very superficial, and perhaps it gives a false sense of connectedness. So in the end, you feel like you have so many friends. Maybe you have a lot of followers or friends on your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and such. So it may feel like we should be very fulfilling in our connections, but we realize it becomes more and more empty. And especially, we live in this, uh, this region called DMV, D- uh, DC metropolitan area, where there are a lot of moving people. People moving in, moving out, right? Not everyone's a Redskins fan, right? It's not a very unison uh, uh, city. I remember whenever we go to uh, Pittsburgh for every summer missions, I see that, wow, that is a unified city. Everybody go crazy for one team. But when we're here, I mean, there are so many Redskins fans, and I respect them. (laughs) But personally, I am not, for example, right? And maybe you are not either, right? But we wish best thing for our local teams. <laughs> and not just in a, just a worldly sense, but even in our Christian walk, too, community is very important. We just talked about discipleship, following Christ as individuals last week. And when we really try to apply that to our lives, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Sometimes we, when we evangelize and when we try to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people, we hope that, oh, they sh-, you know, what if they accept, my- accept uh, Jesus on the spot? We always look forward to it. Personally, my uh, evangelism experience, I remember I shared the gospel with someone and they accepted it and I got more fearful because I was just sharing. I expect they will say no and like, argue with me. I'm like, bring it on. And they're like, I was like, do you, do you want to believe this? They're like, yes. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> really? Like, like, yeah, yeah, I want to believe. It. I'm like, I didn't know what to do after that. Do you know what to do? Like, <laughs> um, because from that point, out, I think that's where real discipleship began, right? It's no longer, let me just share this and leave, but let me walk with you. And I feel like that's really difficult. And I feel like those are the moments when these community element aspects come in. It's certainly not an easy thing, but very necessary. And Jesus died to uh, put this foundation of church, community, for a very clear purpose. Because we need. Because this life of a community is not just about us advancing or having a better life or just, just um, upgrading our, our life, quality of life. No. But it is all about what? A mission of the church. To advance the kingdom of God by proclaiming that Jesus is the risen Savior. Amen? But this is very countercultural. We live in a day where it's very individualistic. In the worldly sense, independence is more respected and valued than dependence. Actually, dependence is seen as a sign of weakness, isn't it? But as we strive towards this tight and intimate and fearless community, We have to let that go and go against our culture. But in return, to gain more Christ in our lives and to advance His kingdom. So today's uh, passage is also a very exciting passage. Uh, It's the book of Acts where Jesus just ascended to heaven, uh, leaving this um, instruction to the disciples saying, Wait in Jerusalem where they are. Wait here until you receive the the promise of the Father, which is the receiving of the Holy Spirit. And about 120 of the disciples, along with the 11 disciples, um, stay and just pray and just wait for um, God to just fulfill that promise. And as you can see, if you look in uh, chapter 2 of the book of Acts, something we call a Pentecost happened, right? Uh, The Holy Spirit comes, and these disciples start to speak in different languages. The people walk by in Jerusalem, can hear from their, their, each one of their language to understand and hear this word. Everyone was so amazed and astonished the Bible records. At the same time, they were very confused. They were like, are they, they drunk? It's still bright on the outside, what is going on? And we see this Peter, who was always known to be a very impulsive, yet fearsome, a scared guy. Now he stands up, and speaks up to defend that we are not day drunk, but we are actually uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he starts to give his first sermon. And that is where he starts to expound on the Old Testament Scripture and see how the prophecies are fulfilled through Christ, and through Christ, how they can receive this forgiveness while they're in this midst of the crooked crooked generation. And the amazing thing is, on the spot, about 3,000 souls come to the Lord. About 3,000 as Peter called for repentance and baptism. And immediately after the passages, today's passage, is a very, very, very beginning of this gathering of believers. Now we call it church. It was so much in the beginning. It was so early that even the word Christian didn't exist yet. The word church wasn't even used yet. And we can see that it's not the very model we want to copy exactly to our life because every church is different, and they also had a lot of flaws in the long term. But we want to see how Holy Spirit moves and how devoted Christians work together to create and build this community together. So point number one is this. The believers were devoted to teaching and the fellowship. The believers were devoted to the teaching and the fellowship. Verse 42 it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of the bread and prayers. The word devoted here is used two other times in the Bible, and they're all in Acts. And they're always using the context of prayer and/or the ministry of the word. And these believers were always centered on their lives on first and foremost apostles' teaching. First of all, because they didn't have Bible. They didn't have the written Bible yet. Only the Old Testament, not yet the New Testament. So they received fresh oral uh, of truth spoken through the apostles. So they were listening for various purposes, but some of them were because, so that they can uh, learn and to cl- be cl- cleared what resurrection, resurrection of Christ was all about and hear from the very witnesses from the apostles. And they were really uh, focusing and devoting to the apostles' teaching so they can defend themselves and their church or this group of believers from heresies. Because if you read through the book of Acts, uh, there are people who try to manipulate different things or they try to um, attack the church in different ways. Um, And there are people who misunderstand the gospel or the Bible and lead people in a wrong direction away from the truth, away from the gospel. So these apostles' teachings were very central to the life of these community of believers. And more than anything, through the apostles' teaching, they were able to realign themselves to the very mission of the church. Mission of the church, meaning is for all churches to proclaim that Jesus is a risen Savior. And through Him, we can be forgiven. Through Him, we are no longer condemned and there is hope. So repent. And secondly, it says fellowship. They're also devoted to the fellowship. Fellowship in Greek word is koinonia. And their word uh, associated not with just the word meaning fellowship, but also with association and with also sharing. And there is this big, big emphasis about sharing. If you go to verse 44 to 46 with me one more time. It says, And all who believe were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and disturbing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous heart. We can see the believers here gladly sharing with generous hearts of different things. The things they shared were the following. They shared the benefits that come from Jesus' death on the cross meaning the forgiveness and a new life, their faith. Also, secondly, they also share also suffering of Jesus. Not so much is talked about yet, but we can see just upcoming couple chapters. We will see all the oppositions and persecutions and different hardships come up just because they proclaim in the name of Jesus. And lastly, they also share their possessions to those in need. You have to be careful here. Just because it says they share everything in common doesn't mean my bank account becomes every one of your bank account and your bank account becomes everyone else's bank account, right? That's not the the point here. But the key is that they were sharing in everything in common for people who were in need, for people who are in need. You can see verse 45, they were selling their possessions so that they can get the money to really feed them and to find them a home. And find their essential necessity of their life. You see that this kind of fulfillment, not just spiritual fulfillment that we receive through Christ, but we also see the sense of physical fulfillment, whether it's finance or just home or food, whatever it might be. But we see here that there are no miracles involved. It's a very ordinary thing. I'm hungry, I don't have money, I'm starving. Or you're starving, and people are selling their stuff and getting what they have, and do what they can do to really support one another so that no one will be in need. This is not a miracle of God. It's a very ordinary thing as a church, isn't it? Because sometimes we do pray for our one another, saying, "God, please send someone, or send this brother a money somehow. Let someone else give this person the money. Let someone else provide. Lord, let there be a miracle of your just blessing. I don't think those are wrong at all. But at the same time, I think we have to acknowledge that sometimes we are perhaps a source, source of those fulfillment, right? Especially if we have the ability to provide and share the, the, the resources that God has given us. And because they were devoted to teaching and the fellowship so much to advance the mission together, these Christians believers, Christian believers realized that their possession weren't theirs. As their life was now belonged to Christ, their possession as well belonged to Christ. So now, therefore, it wasn't as hard for them to let go of their possessions. That is a big challenge for us living in this day and age, where materialism is deep in us and deep in our culture and our lives so much. But we see that kind of pattern here. That kind of pattern where devoted Christians were able to really see the priorities and the values of their life changed. So therefore, they were able to sell and even go towards self-sacrifice to really provide for the others. There's illustration from different church from this book called Life in Community. There was a girl in in the church who was consistently missing school and being late to work because she uh, pub- uh, was riding the public transportation, and it wasn't available nearby her home. And she was a college student, and she was surrounded by other six college student sisters. At first, they were making this very understandable reasonable excuse that they couldn't do much. It's not like they can buy or get her a car as college students. I visit college students here and there, and they cannot buy a car. So they're making reasonable excuses here, but when they were reading through of the Bible and just studying the Bible together as believers, they came across Luke chapter 12. It says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. What did they do? They said, okay, the Bible says it, let's obey it, and let's see what happened. So what happened is next five months, this group of young six women sold their personal items on eBay, Craigslist, and so on, and they threw the money little by little on this bucket, and within those five months, they raised six thousand dollars to get this sister a, six, uh, a car in need so that she can now drive around her uh, school and not fail or drop out, and even her work to sustain her life. This doesn't just fulfill this, didn't just fulfill um, the girl in need or her, um, her need, but this actually really erupted a new culture of sacrifice, a new culture of of giving in the entire church. So us too, when we look at our lives, I encourage you, our church, brothers and sisters, to really seek for opportunity to serve to brothers and sisters who are in need. This has to be really intentional, not something always we wait upon uh, the Lord to give us sign, but something we should always seek after. At the same time, if we are in need, this is also another difficult part, is that we should be able to open and share our need as well. That is difficult because we do not want to reveal our weakness. And most of all, we do not want to burden others. But the Bible clearly says in Galatians, to share our burdens together as Christians. So the fellowship we are talking about here really requires a sense of humility. A humility to know that my possessions are not mine. It's Christ. And I don't have these because I deserve, because of the blessing of God. And he deserved, he deserved the right and the will. And also uh, humility in also receiving too that I'm in need, but even me opening up my need, my weakness, can be a pathway of blessing for others to exercise and really use the resource that God has given. So church, I want to encourage you all for us to really have this kind of culture in our church as well, where we are not afraid to give, and we are not afraid to receive, because God gives, and God allows us to share together as a body of family, body of church. Now another one is breaking of the bread. Breaking of bread is similar to uh, similar to fellowship. Is when they attended the temple together to worship weekly, and they met in homes for further talk and casual meetings. For us in our church, we do every Thursday. Friday, Saturday's life group, and Sundays, usually we meet for Sunday service. But we definitely not, are not limited to those as you want to fellowship more and break bread and eat together as a church. So we can see that the uh, believers were enjoying one another. They were loving one another even uh, beyond their weekly uh, service. And they were devoted to these kind of gatherings. And lastly, there's prayer. If you look in the next two chapters, uh, in Acts chapter 4, we can see that the believers were responding to the apostles who were just arrested for the first time for proclaiming Jesus. And when they were released and came back, their first response was prayer. Prayer to acknowledge the sovereign God and to praise Him and to sing to Him. And it was interesting what they prayed about right after that. It wasn't that, God, please take away our burden of this persecution. God, please change the hearts of the high priest, not to persecute us, but rather turn to you, to this kingdom or together. But their prayer was this, not their circumstance, but saying, Lord, please give us the strength to persevere, to continue in proclaiming Jesus. And that was the only prayer that was recorded in Acts chapter 4. It's not that our circumstances do not matter. They do matter. Right? Our circumstance of health, finances, our relationships, and beyond, they do matter so much in our lives. But as Christians, as gathering community, we understand and we profess that our number one priority is advancing God's kingdom, God's mission of proclaiming Jesus. Because that is the one that makes all the eternal difference, isn't it? So these are the things the early Christians prayed and focused on. And they were able to really seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and really trusting that everything else will come afterwards. So it was a community that really projected and strived to keep each other accountable and strive towards this mission. And here's number two. The gospel was made visible through the believer's devotion. The gospel was made visible through the believer's devotion. Verse 43 says, And all came upon every soul. All came upon every soul, and throughout the book of Acts, we can see whenever these believers gathered, whenever they did wonderful things like signs and wonders, or spoke, it always followed this description: the people were astonished, people were amazed, people were in fear. People who did not know God now experienced God. People who never heard about God now hears God. People who never realized the gospel now start to consider the gospel and even accept the gospel. So we can see that their devotion resulted, the other people who are always watching, to realize something they never ever seen in their life. A kind of message, a kind of truth that gives hope, not like anyone else, not like anything they can ever achieve, that is in Jesus Christ. They realized this gathering place called church, the gathering of the believers, this community, was a place where the gospel became a reality. We share this in our life group too, but as we go back to workplaces during the week or school or elsewhere other than church, pretty much, we are surrounded by anti-gospel environment. At work, at school, we are graded, we are measured by our performance. We are identified and we are valued by how much we can put in, how much we can please others, we can perform for their profit or our profit. And we live in an environment where it's not always uplifting perhaps, where it's not always gospel reminding. And whenever we come back to life, whenever we come back to these Sunday services, we are refreshed, we are renewed. And that is an amazing thing. And that is only because the gospel is not just proclaimed on this pulpit and this ministry and community, but it is also lived out to be felt and to be reminded and to be experienced. And that is why how this grace of the gospel working us to be diverse. If you look around our room, we are a diverse group. Uh, we, are, we come from different backgrounds, and we do not discriminate how, what kind of job we have, how much money we make, what kind of ethnicity we have, what kind of degree we have, or how sociable we are, how funny we are. It doesn't matter because we are here not just love and to really just measure ourselves, how much I can gain from this person, not that kind of way, but we love each other just like the Father loves us unconditionally. Amen? And when a newcomer sees that, when a newcomer comes in and sees how we love each other differently than the world, not just the value of how attractive we may be or how sociable we may be, we see that we even carry out conversations even though sometimes we are so much different in our interests. Or maybe even in our language, we're different. I remember one, um, one of our sisters brought her sister who doesn't live in this area. And after experiencing our church for a few weeks, this is what she said. A lot of people in this church are interesting. Okay, let me say exactly what she said. People here are weird. <laughs> and I know that I was included in one of them. Sorry, yeah. Um, and I thought about it, and that is true. And she said, um, not, she feels like no one is normal here. I don't know what that exactly means, but I, I, th- I think because there was also, she joined in the fellowship time where we casually hang out with one another and we goof around. And she saw how um, different kind of people are here. I kind of love that. Because no matter how dif- different we are, no matter how Similar we are, we are able to still unite and still call it a life group, still call it a ministry and a church, even beyond those things. And when a newcomer comes, they see how, despite the difference, we still can mingle. And not just mingle to have fun, but mingle to live life together, to love one another, and to grow together as Christians. So we can see that when the newcomers come, it's not just the preaching that approaches them, it's also how our community looks like that reveals and really resembles what our ministry is all about. So we strive for this kind of ministry, this kind of community that displays the gospel of grace of Jesus Christ. And lastly, uh, these uh, uh, believers were experiencing the blessing from God. Verse 47, it says, They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. The Lord added to their number day by day. Because they were devoted, and because they, res- they resembled this gospel from their community, people were drawn to it. They earned favor with people. And people respected them. They were delighting in them. And they even came to be part of them as believers, day by day. And we, ju- we just can see in a matter of a couple chapters, another 2,000 joins them as a church. But we can see the key is the devotion. In other words, devotion meaning faithfulness devoted to continue it says clearly the lord added It never say that peter preached so well that he convinced people to come to the lord no it was never said like it was the lord added we know that as we even cultivate this community together to really proclaim and display gospel to others sometimes we can be discouraged that there are no fruits even though we do everything we can there's a problem that we if you're not faithful to these kind of devotions But sometimes we devote ourselves to these kind of things, but still there are no fruit. But this assures that it's the Lord who adds, amen? It's the Lord who adds to this church. There are different seasons when He makes a time of harvest or makes a time of perseverance. Because it's not for our sense of accomplishments to see the fruit, but it is for all the glory to God who sees even in the unseen. Where we pray for the new believers or, or seekers or people around us who doesn't know Christ, we pray with tears. Even sometimes there are coworkers, sometimes there are long friends, sometimes there are even our family members. It can be many trials, it can be few months, few years, or longer that you feel like there are no fruit. But we cling on to the commandment of Jesus that we don't only look towards the fruit of ministry, but we look towards the glory of Christ in the ministry. There's, there is a um, missionary named William Carey. He lived in the uh, 18th and 19th century, and he is known as the father of modern missions. Spectacular, amazing, amazing guy to study upon. For him, he really fought through the church back in Britain, where they, back in the day, didn't do any overseas missions, saying if God really wants to do overseas mission, he will send his people, not me. So William Carey really fought through, and he actually went to India to break through that period of silent time where there was no overseas missions. So he finally went into India with all those arguments and debate he won. But for the first seven years, he had no converts. No one responded. But rather, his young child died. His wife, her mental health became now where she has to be confined in a room. It may seem like a fruitless, wasteful life. But after the seven years, one convert came. One person accepted Christ from the, the area of Calcutta he was uh, serving upon. And next 41 years, he served in the nation without any furlough, any, without any sabbatical, any rest. Records say about 700 converts came to the Lord during his lifetime there. They may not see a lot to some people, but that 700 created a massive Impressive, spectacular foundation of Christianity in India with translations, with setting up church, education, and even social reform. And William Carey leaves us this kind of quote. Expect great things, attempt great things. Once again, expect great things and attempt great things. So church, do not lose heart. Just like William Carey, as our church, we have our mission and our vision to make this community into a functioning church to glorify God. And we are here to expect great things, and attempt great things, despite of our circumstance. Isaiah 46, 9-10, it says, For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. We believe God who is no like other. We have the gospel, which is none like other kind of message of the world. We present and we live by this hope that never changes, even in this ever-changing world. And we cling on to it day by day, not just as individuals, but as a community. As we love, and as we preach, and remind one another with this truth, and we look forward to Lord Jesus to receive all that glory until He comes back. So brothers and sisters, let us devote ourselves to build this community of an authentic and a loving community of faith that displays the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray. I would like to open up a time of prayer for yourselves. Let's pray together, asking God to help us see His grace from the cross, how He died on the cross for our sins in the midst where we are hopeless and helpless in our sins. And it was Jesus who gave everything. this new life and forgiveness let's pray that we'll be able to realize this grace of Jesus to be driven to love one another to driven to serve one another whether it is by sharing possessions or just spending time together or being committed to come out every Sunday committed to uh, come out every life group to be there for them as well as also receive the help I need because we too are not invincible we too are not perfect Christians. We are never meant to be alone. We are together we are here to be the church that sustains one another, bears each other's burden. So let's pray that God please lead me to be humble, to recognize my need, to ask and to receive, to be driven with the passion of Christ to serve one another, to remind and really display this uh, gospel of grace together. Let's just take a moment to pray together.